But I think we also estimate what, under, underestimate what God can do in our life. And it's really easy to let problems get bigger, you know, than God. But we want to make God bigger than our problems, amen? You know, um, when we look at God in, in history, uh, we tend to think of, of history and happenings as almost random events. And history tells a story of what happened. I mean, you can look back, you have a history of your family, a history of America. Uh, when we read in the Bible that Caesar imposed a tax that required every person to return home to their place of birth, it wasn't random in its timing. Remember that that was not something that Caesar just did and that it just happened to line up with uh, Jesus and the birth. Uh, there was nothing random about the timing or the location of what took place. In fact, we read in the book of Micah, which was written 600 years before the birth of Christ, that he would identify the very place of the birth of Christ. In Bethlehem, uh, there was an inn, and that inn was not random. We tend to think of that inn as like, you know, the last hotel on the block, the angry uh, owner of the inn who made them sleep with the cows and because there was no room in the inn, and, uh, and yet that's not the case at all. The inn is very well known in history. In fact, the inn was known as Kim Han's Inn, and it was built by a servant of King David on David's land. In fact, many prophets spent the night there. We read about it in Jeremiah chapter 41 that Jeremiah spent the night in this particular inn. Upon departing, it was a tradition, this is well-documented historically, that the ironic blessing was given over every guest as they checked out. And that blessing is this, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The other interesting thing is this was land given by David on David's land, and both Joseph and Mary were direct descendants of King David. In other words, they could have pulled rank. They could have said, we are in the lineage, both of us, of King David. And when you study Scripture, it's, it's amazing because the Bible really builds into this throughout all the Christian, Christian narratives, the Christmas narratives, that that he, Jesus, would sit one day on the throne of his father, David. We know that's gonna happen in the future. There's gonna be a, a millennial reign of Christ on earth, and he will literally sit on what's called the throne of David. I think we also underestimate God's plans. Have you ever looked at your life and seen it as a random occurrence of events? And yet it's so much more than that. The people you meet, the things that happen to you, uh, God has a part in all of those things. In fact, when you think about the idea of something random uh, or a coincidence, in fact, the coincidence, word coincidence is not even used in Hebrew. There are no coincidences in the Hebrew Bible. It is all God planning, God doing. And so you could look at yourself and say, well, do you think it was God's plan for me to be here today? I think you made a choice to be here, but I think God had a purpose in you being here that you're going to maybe fully understand later in this day or in this life. In Luke chapter two and verse one, it's a pretty familiar passage. It says, it came to pass in the days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And the census took place in Quirinius was governing Syria. 
So all went out to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph went up from Galilee out to the city of Nazareth into Judea uh, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Now think about just the movement of that right there. Not random, purposeful. Also went up from Galilee to Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. And so when Scripture describes these biblical characters, it tries to give you as much critical information as possible so you can put the pieces together. And when you do, you see the hand of God. You see the hand of God in everything. We talk about uh, the hand of God in establishing a nation like America. And truly, if you read the, the writings of Columbus, he said, I was led by the Spirit of God. And, and you see these things, whether it's in history or whether it's in your story or God's story in the Bible. And it says that he went to be registered with, uh, with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child, so that it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth uh, from her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And the inn was Kenham's inn. Purposeful. There's a reason. I even think there was a reason why the inn was full. To demonstrate that God didn't come as a reigning monarch to override everything that was happening in our life, but rather to come as a humble servant. To be born, it says, in the likeness of men. And to give his life on a cross in obedience to the will of God. You see, if you look at your life more like God is really guiding my life, versus I'm just independent making decisions all along the way and sometimes there's a consequence and sometimes there's luck. We all know that luck doesn't work. If you haven't figured that one out, I mean, I always use the illustration of the rabbit. The rabbit foot was a symbol of good luck, not for the three-legged rabbit. But we also underestimate the willingness of God to take a risk. Do you realize what a risk it is to love you and to give you his name? God gave you his name. When you're a Christian, you're, you're, you're a follower of Christ. He gave you his name. That's pretty risky. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Lord Jesus, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. So when Jesus died, it was risky. I'm dying for the sins of mankind. And why did he do it? To deliver us to get us out of the situation that conforms and shapes us and actually kills us in the long run. Emotionally, mentally, socially, it destroys us. You see what's happening sometimes in the world and you look at news headlines and you, and you say, oh my, you know what, how can they even think like that? It is because their mind has not yet been delivered from the consequences of sin in their life. And, and so there is this downward spiral that happens in a person's life when you get apart from God. So you go from when God created the heavens and the earth, he created it from chaos into cosmos. That is, from disorder into order. When you move away from God, your life becomes more chaotic. You move from cosmos into chaos. And that's why you'll see people, you know, they say, well, I'm a Christian, and then they start making bad decisions, and, they get, and their life is such a disaster. And you say, well, I don't think they're a Christian. And they might even say, yeah, I used to be a Christian. It is because it, it, it may or may not, not, I'm not here to determine whether they are or aren't. I'm just saying that when you move away from God, chaos ensues in your life. And disorder comes, and logic fades, and then, you know, you become like an island unto yourself. 
Like Romans says, they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So that which can be known, uh, be known about God cannot be seen or known. You know, we had uh, in the, uh, the first January that we were in this building, we had a guy by the name of Nick Vojacek. You remember him? He's the, he has the ministry called Life Without Limbs. And it's such an amazing thing. I, we just saw Nick. We were speaking with him in, in uh, San Antonio a few months ago, and uh, we just got to kind of catch up a little bit. And, I, and I'm always amazed at someone who, who has everything working against them that makes everything work for them. You know, when you meet Nick, the one thing it does is it takes away all of your complaining, right? You know, like I stubbed my toe. Well, he has no toe. I mean, really, when you think about that, that perspective on life, Nick said this. He said, risk is not just part of life. It is life. The place between your comfort zone and your dream is where life takes place. It's the high anxiety zone, but it's also where you discover who you are. Do you think maybe God is a risk taker and wants us to be a risk taker? You never feel more alive when you're in the middle of risk, and yet you never feel more helpless when you're in the middle of risk. And I, and I love these words. It's the place between your comfort zone and your dream. When you think about God as a risk taker, he created risk takers. He created people that wanted to go out on the edge. And I just want to just kind of input into that a little bit. You see, you reflect the environment that captures your attention. What captures your attention in life? You're going to probably reflect that environment. If, Christ, if you're kind of consumed with and, and Christ has captured your attention, you're going to move in the direction of Christ. You know, if entitlement and anger and those other things that are so ugly, if they capture your attention, then they will control everything you do in your life, even your direction. I always like to say this, make your, make your future greater than your past. Everyone's got a great story from the past. Man, I remember when. Now, for guys, they love to tell the story of how bad they messed up. Yeah, I, I remember I sold this car for $600. It's worth $6 million now. And then the next guy says, that's nothing. You know, I bought a car for 6 bucks and it's now worth $20 million. And they just love doing that. I don't know why we do that. I mean, I don't hear women say that. It's just a different mindset, right? We brag about our failures. And we enjoy it. We don't stop. I mean, I, I'm ready to get in that game right now. I can tell stories. But also, your words set in motion your destiny. Have you ever just listened to you? Not somebody else, just listen to you. What am I saying about me and my life and my future? It really does determine your destiny. You know, that's why the Bible says, let the words of my mouth be acceptable unto you, O Lord. It's why that proverb says, you know, the words of our mouth are either life or their death. And I really believe in this context of risk, the greatest risk that you take is not pursuing after God, is not pursuing after your dreams. The richest place on earth is not the oil fields of, of the world. It's not the diamonds. It's really the local cemetery where dreams died because they were not willing to risk to take the next step. You see, we underestimate God's love also. 
I've heard people say, you know, well, I, I'm sure God's not really happy with me right now. God doesn't love me now. I've been away from God. And, and, I, and then I always just go back to Romans 5. I said, if God loved you when you were a sinner, how much more does he love you now as a son and a daughter? You see, he doesn't love like you and I love. We like to play favorites. We do. I mean, you're not going to admit it, but, you know. How many of you would just raise your hand and say, you know, I have one of my children that is my favorite? They're not here. They're not, you're not on camera. Would you like to be, go honest here? <laughs> oh, it's just the question. Of, and then you want to tell all your kids, no, I love you all the same. But I hate some of you more than others. <laughs> right? We, this is just all really true. My, my parents love me the best because I was an only child. I, they, it's kind of like you don't have a choice. I got to love this one. I got to get another one. But I think in, in, the, in the sense there, there's this truth that God doesn't love one more than the other. He loves us all uniquely. And love demands different things from, you know, from a father, from a mother in situations. Um, and, and that's the beauty of it. In 1 John chapter 1, remember this is John the Apostle, and he was there when Jesus was walking the earth. And listen to what he wrote. He said, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. And that life was manifest. So John said, I was there when Jesus walked the earth. And I want to tell you, I heard it. I saw it. I experienced it. And life itself was manifest. Do you realize you manifest in your life either life or death? You ever been around somebody who's been super negative? They're not manifesting life. And they want to get you in the, in the club. Wouldn't you like to join me? I'd like to, don't you like to be bitter? But you see, but life manifests itself. It, it actually comes through you as a human being. And it says, which we have seen and we bear witness, and we declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also might have fellowship with us. So now we talk about we are, we are people who manifest God, and when we do that, there's an attractiveness that brings us together. We have what's called fellowship. And this is in a spiritual dimension where there's something that we have in common even if we have everything different. It's kind of, an, it's kind of a paradox, isn't it? How do, I, how, do I like, how do I have fellowship with someone which has every like about me differently? Because of fellowship, because in the Spirit. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy might be made full. So why does God bring us into this family and, and why does he manifest himself to us that way that we might have joy? Jesus said in another place, he said, my joy do I give unto you, not as the world gives. See, there's a happiness or a joy the world says this is really significant, but then there's this joy that God gives that's totally different. You can have joy and, be, and not be happy about the situation because you know God's in control of the situation. Pretty cool, right? Um, I want to show you uh, a video, just a recap of this year, and I just want to kind of talk over it a little bit here. It's 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 pretty short, but I want to I want to conclude our service today by just saying this is a kind of a recap of this year and what God has been able to do in just twelve months at our church, and we bought a new ministry center 
um, that is just amazing. We were able to expand our children's ministry by 40%. We baptized uh, 100-plus people. We renovated the entire front of the church. We've gone several times to Ukraine on humanitarian efforts. We had uh, hundreds of volunteers serve our city. Uh, we've influenced the world through music, through Influence Music, our record label. Uh, we've influenced the world through American faith by bringing news that you can trust. And all of these things didn't just happen. You help make them happen. You get to share in them. You get to be, you know, part of this whole thing that goes on. And then we had Men of Valor conference, and we took a, a bunch of wimps and turned them into warriors. <laughs> Amen. And the, and the women are going, uh-huh. Um, and then Women of Influence and the impact that that's made, not only in, in books and speaking and clothes and all those other things, and then, then being able to fuel mission work through that, that clothing line is pretty amazing. You see, our generosity makes a difference in every day that we, we live, doesn't it? You know, we're known by what we give away, not by what we hoard and hold on to. And if we just keep that in mind, you know, we just become better people and we reflect Christ. The Bible says that Jesus, for our sakes, though he was rich, became poor. He also said, if you want to be like me, you're going to have to be a servant of all. These just basic core values of Scripture are so transformational in our lives. And we want to just commend you for carrying those out and for celebrating those in your own life. And I just pray you'll say, you know, Lord, let me do that to a greater degree in the days ahead. Amen? Let me, let me just 10x everything that I've done, whether it's prayer, reading the Word of God, serving the Lord, whatever it is, and just let this Christmas be a great day to celebrate. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm just really happy, and clearly you are too, that we had Christmas service today, right? We're going to do it on Sunday again in seven years. That's our schedule. That's how it all works on the calendar. But um, God bless all of you, and may you have a Merry Christmas. And, and uh, we're going to sing here together, and, and then we're going to go out and do whatever you've got to do today. So God bless you, and Merry Christmas.